Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Career Quest Podcast. My name is Michael Bonadio, and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we will be hearing Eddie Doyle's career quest. His career is based on the fact that he's always open to new work opportunities and not afraid to dive in headfirst at a moment's notice. He likes to focus on doing what he loves and what he has a passion for. Eddie, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to hear about your career quest and learn a little bit deeper into everything that you've been doing. But before we go deeper into your career, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm super excited to be here. I uh, am a content creator, a YouTuber. I just love making videos. I love writing. To be honest, I don't really know exactly how to describe what it is I do other than um, I like creating things. And so I'm uh, still trying to figure it out and uh, learning my way through this crazy world and during this crazy time, but uh, just trying to have a fun time while doing it. Throughout your career, you've worked a lot of different jobs and done a lot of different things. But before we get into your first one, were you prepared for your career? To kind of piggyback off my first answer, uh, I kind of still don't know exactly what my career is or where I want to go other than, you know, that I do like creating things, specifically writing. I like writing. I like the writing aspect of it, at least for me, because I don't think I'm very good on camera. But uh, so as far as being prepared for my career, uh, specifically what I'm doing, I don't know. I, you know, looking back, I do know I've always shown an interest in writing. I do know that I was always the guy to, you know, video my friends much to their dismay. They did not like it. Um, but as far as being prepared specifically for what I'm doing, I think I'd say no, because I still don't feel prepared on a daily basis. I still feel like I'm running around with my head cut off and, you know, trying to figure things out. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I feel pre prepared specifically uh, for what I'm doing, but I uh, do feel prepared in the sense that like, I've always been willing to try new things. And honestly, I've always been willing to fail. So it kind of makes it easier to, uh, you know, if, if you're, if you're willing to fail and you're used to failing, it's uh, it's a lot easier to feel unprepared. If that makes any sense. That definitely makes sense. And I want to get a little bit into a couple of those failures and just kind of hear more about a few of them. But I want to start off with the beginning. While in college, you worked an internship at Upward Bound at Penn University. Can you give us a brief look into what that was? And can you give us a time or a moment where you knew you were making a difference? Um, hmm. Well... First of all, Upward Bound, uh, it was a really cool program. It was uh, basically like a Saturday school, summer school uh, for first generation college students or first generation, I guess they call it first generation college students. So it was high school kids who would be the first people in their family to go to college uh, and they would go to these classes on Saturday and a program in the summer 
to help improve not only their academic skills, but also their college prospects. And what was really cool is one Saturday every month and at the end of the summer program, they would go on these college trips. And that was always the best part in the summer. We would go for like a week long tour of these colleges and it was a whole lot of fun. And a time where I thought I was making a difference, man, I, I, I think I could say there were so many times, um, you know, because at the end of the day, like, that's what that's what people are for, you know. Um, I was thinking maybe someone there was like a moment that sticks out or someone maybe wrote you a thank you or that was just like in my head. Maybe something stood out from the time you could take it as that. Actually, uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because there was one moment. So uh, during the summer program, uh, we actually lived in we lived at Penn. And, you know, each, the, the tutor counselors is what basically like camp counselors. We, we lived in the dorms with them, like RAs, right? And uh, there was this one kid where, so in the morning, it was basically my job to make sure everybody got up to go to breakfast. And I would sing this song uh, by uh, Talib Kweli. Uh, oh, what's the name of the song? I forget, early this morning, I woke up feeling brand new and I jumped up and I would sing it every morning. And, you know, I'm like, to those guys, I was like, you know, they're high schoolers. I was in college. So to them, I'm like 80 years old, you know, and here's this like old dude singing this like kind of old song at the time. And uh, this one kid gave me such a hard time. Stop singing that song. It's so annoying. Well, the next year, same job, you know, same role, same kid. And I heard him saying, he's like, I don't want to hear any camp counselors singing in the morning unless it's Eddie. He's the only one that's allowed to sing. And I just thought that was really cool where it's like, you know, it was a whole summer of him giving me flack for that. And, you know, turns out he's like, he put up with me long enough to like me. So I thought that was pretty cool. And that's how it usually goes with, uh, you know, roles like that I, I seem to have found. I've worked as a camp counselor in a couple different places and they give you a hard time saying, ah, don't do that. But then when you stop, they're like, wait, why, why'd you stop? Exactly. It was exactly like that. And you know, it was an instance like that where I was like, all right, me and this kid, like this, this kid, we got, we got a respect for each other now. Just that, that understanding that you're there to help and exactly. you're just trying to make it cool. Exactly. Even though you're that 80 year old singing in college. <laughs> exactly exactly but then from here you decide to put everything on working at teach for america put all your eggs in a basket but sadly you didn't get accepted mentally you must have been devastated or at least felt lost how did you deal with that rejection I've always been different in the sense that I didn't really take things too serious. So like when I went to college, I didn't take my college search too seriously. I actually remember I, uh, <laughs> I, I wrote a letter to Adam Sandler, my senior year of uh, high school saying I didn't want to, uh, you know, I wasn't sold on this college thing and asked him to give me a job. And he sent me back a, you know, autographed, po uh, what do you call those things? Postcards. Uh, so that didn't work out. So I always say I kind of followed the crowd to college, to be honest. And, you know, in college, I, I, I mean, I always worked. I always had a lot of jobs. I was one semester, a couple of semesters, I had three jobs, you know, like I was always working. Um, but as far as like a career, I never really knew what I wanted to do. And, you know, I did like teaching with Upward Bound. And so uh, I just thought Teach for America was like 
a perfect fit. You know, it's a two year thing. It's not like a lifelong commitment. Cause I wasn't sure I want to do that forever. And I thought with, you know, my resume, my experience with Urbana, I was like, all right, you know, if, if I don't find anything else, I can uh, just always fall back on that. And so when I applied to that and I didn't get it, I was just like, huh, that's weird. Um, you know, I remember just being more surprised than like disappointed, but as far as like, the rejection. I don't know. I've just kind of always known or at least thought because, you know, I guess you you never know, but I guess I just kind of always known that it would work out, you know, and I, I guess I've always uh, had a really um, different perspective than the people around me about how long life is. Like, I've just always like, I've never felt this rush that so many people around me, like seem to have by like do this by a certain age or have this by a certain age. Like to me, uh, like when I think about how much time we have and how much time things take and how much, you know, I, I always think like college was four years. And it's like when I think about like a set of four years and how much can happen over the course of four years and how different things were four years ago or how different things were a year ago. I mean, I know this is kind of a different time with the pandemic, but it's just like I, I just kind of always understood how much things can change in a short amount of time that I think a lot of people think is a long amount of time, but uh, I don't know. So basically I think the way I dealt with the so-called rejection is just like realizing that like three months from now, that rejection is going to feel like um, an eternity ago. You know what I mean? If I even think about it. So I think that's, that's that's the long answer. (laughs) But just thinking about that, that rejection might've pushed you forward in your career more so than if you had gotten it. Oh yeah. I mean, and not even necessarily push me forward, you know, it's just like, it makes a decision for me. And for somebody uh, like me, who's undecided about a lot of things, like, you know, when I was, I was undecided about what to do after high school, I was undecided about what to do after college. The thing about trying and getting rejected or failing or whatever you want to call it. The good thing about that is that it makes a decision for me. You know what I mean? So when I'm undecided and I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, this is this, maybe this will work. And then that door gets shut. It's like, okay, well, that decision was made for me, you know, and I can either choose to further pursue it and keep trying, or I can be like, all right, maybe this isn't for me and I'll try something else. But at least you saw it upward bound kind of in your back pocket. So you could revert back to it when Teach for America didn't work out and you decided to get another job along with it. You got a promotion with Upward Bound, becoming the math teacher, while also managing your old internship. But you also got a job with B101, the radio station, as a promotions assistant, where one of the responsibilities was dressing up as their mascot, the B. Were you ever worried about what others thought of you dressing up as the B? You know, it's so funny you ask that question because this is like, this is like, I feel like part of the reason I'm okay with rejection or failure or whatever is because I, I, I just don't care what other people think as much as I think a regular person does. And, and this was an example where like, I, it kind of, 
hit me in the head where like, so I'm like, man, do I live in my own little world? Like what's going on here? So I get this job at B101, which I thought was cool. I mean, it's a, you know, it was at the time it was the largest privately owned uh, radio station. It's staple of, you know, the Philadelphia area. And um, part of the job was dressing up as a bee, which I thought was hilarious. I thought it was so much fun. And like, it's something that I'll always remember, which kind of blows my mind is like, when you're dressed up as a bee, like adults, like three out of four adults will like see you and smile and laugh. And like, in my head, I'm like, you, you're an adult, you know, that like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just a person in here. You know what I mean? Like, um, and so, and so that was part of it where like, when I got that job, everybody was always talking about that. Like everybody's like, Oh my God, you're the B. They talk about it at parties. They'd ask me stories, this, that, and the other. And I just thought it was great. Like I thought they like thought it was cool. And, um, I, I remember I got in an argument with a buddy of mine and, you know, over something stupid. And he was like, you know, he basically like made fun of me. He was like, you're a bumblebee. You know, you dress it like he, he was basically like put me down for my job. And in that moment, it like struck me. I'm like, wait a second. Were all these people like kind of teasing me because I did that? Like, it just totally blew my mind because like at the end of the day, I couldn't care any less. Like I had fun doing it. It was fun doing it. And it's like, it was fun talk. Like people obviously, you know, they were laughing at the stories I was telling about. Like people were interested in it. So like, unless they were living their lives, uh, you know, just totally faking to hear a funny story about a bumblebee, which I doubt. And, you know, my theory is a lot of people would want to dress up as a bumblebee. They're just afraid of what other people think. And fortunately, I'm just so stupid that I didn't realize that other people thought that it was a, you know, stupid job because I had fun doing it. So um, I guess the way I deal with uh, people uh, judging me dressing up as a bee is just being too dumb to realize that, you know, <laughs> they even do because at the end of the day man like and maybe part of it's like I just don't care what other people do like that's part of it too like I don't care what other people think about me is because I don't care what they do you know what I mean like one of my favorite quotes is what you eat don't make me shit you know what I mean so it's like what do I care what you're doing Monday through Friday, it has zero effect on my life, you know, unless we're working together, or maybe I'm trying to get you to be a client, or unless you're trying to get me to be a client, like, literally, what you eat does not make me shit. So why do I care what's on your plate? You know what I mean? So it's like, the fact that people would look at me funny, I'm like, hey, man, that's, that's, that's a shame that whatever you got going on in your life, you got to spend your time thinking about me, because I'm not thinking about you. But um, but I guess that's how I deal with it, just by being an ignorant idiot. <laughs> it's definitely a great attitude to have because today with social media and everything in the world, it's very easy to get caught up in what other people think. And bad pun intended, it was creating a buzz around town. Sorry, I had to do it. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> but thinking about this whole idea... You might not care what other people think, but most people do. They get caught up in that. What is your advice to someone that's always worrying about what other people think? I think th the reason people care what other people think is because they think other people care about them. You know, and like, of course, you'll have 
friends and family that care about you. First of all, 99.99999% of the world is not your friends and family, right? So it's like the overwhelming majority of people don't care about it. And even your friends and family, if they actually care about you, they're going to want what's best for you. And if they don't, then they're not a they're not a good friend or family member. You know what I mean? Like if they're, if they selfishly want you to do X, Y, or Z for their benefit, it's like, well, maybe that you don't want that in your life. You know what I mean? And it's like, but again, I, I don't think most people are worried about their friends and family. I think they're worried about their like associates. And I think they're worried about what are they going to say at the the family party when they're talking to that second cousin that they see once a year, you know, or whatever it is like people, or what are they going to say when they meet their friend's friend or something, you know, like they don't want to be judged. That kind of extended network. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, uh, to that, I say, do you know what that person in your extended network is doing? And yeah, and sure. And like, I'm not trying to act like I'm this like, you know, live in my own world. I don't think other people exist and I don't have an opinion, but it's like, dude, if I think somebody's making a bad decision, or if I think they have a funny job, or if I think they have a great job, whatever it is, I'll think about that. And then I'll go right back to my own life. You know, like I'll think about it for a fleeting second. And then that person doesn't exist to me anymore. You know what I mean? I mean, they exist, but it's like, it's just, it's just a thought, just like it's a thought where it's like, oh, wow, the light turned red, you know, and then the light turns green. And then I forgot about the red light. So it's like, I guess the way I, or the advice I would give is just like, nobody cares about you, <laughs> you know, like nobody cares. Like, and you think you think about how much you care about someone else. Think about how you judge someone else. And I have a strong feeling that it's a very fleeting thought. If you have that thought at all. And if it's not a fleeting thought, if you spend your entire day judging other people and talking down on other people, making fun of people, I'd bet dollars of donuts you're a very unhappy person that's not very satisfied with your own life. And I would advise you to maybe switch that up a bit. It might help. When you say nobody, you mean nobody past your friends and family, right? Yeah. Yeah. And right. A hundred percent. Yeah. But, but dude, even your friends and family, like, and I've had that experience a little bit where it's like, you'll, you'll see people either make comments or judgments or whatever. And it's like, you kind of, you see who, who's in your corner and who isn't, you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, sure. It's easier to, to, uh, I don't know, play by the rules or do what, you know, or do what you think they want you to do so that they'll stay in your corner. But is that person really in your corner? They're just in your corner conditionally. So I guess my advice for if you want to even get deeper into it, the friends and family, it's like, if, if you're holding back because you're afraid somebody's not going to be in your corner anymore, they're not in your corner to begin with. With the idea that you don't care and you have people in your corner, if you really wanted to see that side of people making comments, you're on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, creating content. Go in your comment section. There's probably a a few people that say, oh, this person's the worst. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. But um, through everything, you've already had quite a few experiences already. But after a few years, you decide to get a new job in Treatment Research Center at Penn University. When the study was coming to a close, you were moved to a new position. Why did you end up quitting this job? 
And did you have something lined up? So that was that was another super cool job that I really liked. Um, but when I wasn't working with the participants as much, um, you know, I was basically, I had my own office, which was cool, but the office didn't have any windows. So I was basically like in a room by myself, nine to five and not really interacting with people. If you knew me, that is like literally the worst thing that could happen to me. So I'm like, dude, why, you know, if I'm going to be like, why am I doing this? Like I I might as well do something. If I'm going to be in a room by myself, I might as well be doing something I really love. And uh, I've always loved writing and uh, I've always loved making content. So I was like, you know, if if I'm ever going to chase after that dream, now's the time. And again, it goes back, to um, the thing about projection and failure. Um, not that the job was a failure by any means, but it was just like, you know, I wound up in a position that I wasn't enjoying. And it's like, hey, that pushed me to a place to chase after something I did enjoy. And it's like, if I love that job, I don't think I would have quit it. You know what I mean? Or if I was like getting paid a ridiculous amount of money, I wouldn't have, you know? So, uh, so I, I didn't have anything lined up in the sense that like, I know this is going to work, but I did have um, a couple projects and ideas I wanted to pursue. Um, like I didn't just randomly quit and, you know, offer up my, offer it up to the, to the universe. Like, let's see what happens. It's like, okay, I'm going to quit and I'm going to do this. And of course it took a lot longer than I thought it would because that's what always happens. But yeah. You may not have had like a job or concrete thing lined up, but you had a plan of the next, hey, maybe the next three months I'll do this or Exactly. exactly. Then three months yeah. became nine and right. nine became three years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it's a hundred percent it. Cause I was like, I want to write this book and my buddy had started a clothing brand um that I actually became part owner of and I was working with that. Um and I wanted to write this book and I wrote this book and literally what you said, I thought it'd be like you know, a couple months and it took like six months. And then, uh, I started the YouTube thing. I thought I'd be a viral sensation overnight. Cause why not? Uh, and that took literally three years, like you said. Um, so yeah. Uh, so it's not that I didn't have, uh, a plan. It was just that I had nothing set in stone. And, and again, it goes back to, I'm, I'm always down to try something new and do something new. And, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I, I like what I'm doing and I like, uh, you know, the, the way it's going, but you know, if something else came up that I thought was more promising or I enjoyed it more tomorrow, like I have no problem walking away from it, you know, like looking at your plan and the projects that you had in mind, you talk about writing this book. Can you tell us what that book is about? Because today it is finished. What was it about? Yeah. So, um, like my plan on what I would write, I mean, I I have always wanted to write a book. I've just always loved writing. And, um, my buddy that I mentioned who started a clothing brand, he happens to be in a wheelchair. Um, and at the same time when I was working at Penn, uh, man, universities or at least Penn, and I understand the same about most, they just got great benefits. And one of the benefits was I could take classes for free. And one of the classes I took for free was a creative nonfiction class And in that class, one of the stories I wrote was about my buddy, Jimmy, in a wheelchair. And it got really good feedback and uh, seemed to be a lot of interest in the topic. And with my buddy uh, doing the brand, I thought it kind of fit hand in hand. It was a project he was excited about. So 
um, the first book project I started on was about my relationship with uh, my buddy, Jimmy, who's in a wheelchair. So I guess just to, to kind of, I, I know I, I kind of seem all over the place with my career path, but one thing I guess looking back that I always did and I still do is I just like do a lot. Like I just do so much and like, and, it, and it's not always like, you know, I'm not like the grind or hard work. Um, even if it's just like, you know, I, I've, I kind of made it a point to like go out on a Friday night rather than stay in and, you know, and, and not always for the best, you know, it's not always good to be, you know, hung over on Sunday morning. But my point is, it's like when I was working at Penn and there was an option for taking free classes, I was taking a class every semester I could, you know, like I, like to me, there wasn't an option not to take a class because I have the opportunity to take a free class at an Ivy league school. Like, why would I not do that? Why everybody at Penn doesn't do that is beyond me. And then again, like I'm not, I know some people have other responsibilities and that's part of like where I am in, or where I was in life and all that kind of stuff. Um, but like for somebody like me who was undecided, who didn't know, exactly what I was doing or what I wanted to do because of that I just thought it was a really good approach to just do as much as I can try as many different things and and see see what happens and as a result of that I got an idea for a book having the book starting your YouTube you've worked in the research center you've worked everywhere it feels like at this point <laughs> at this point it doesn't sound like you have your lifelong career solidified. You don't know what you're going to do for your whole life. But is that okay to not know what your t next 20 years will look like at the age of 22, 23? At the age of 22 or 23? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I Here's a little hint. Even if you think you know what the next 23 years of your life is going to look like, you don't. Like, I, I can't think of a single profession. Um, I mean, the, the only thing that comes to mind maybe is like military, but God forbid something happens and you're on disability, like you can't get deployed. And so it's like, you, you never know. I, I can't think of a single profession. Like, I mean, look at, look at teachers, you know, maybe teachers, that's another one. I mean, sure, sure. There's stable jobs, but especially with where we are with technology, like who knows how many jobs are going to be around in 20 years. A buddy was telling me that uh, school nurses were like, those systems were getting automated. His mom's a school nurse. And he was telling his mom that his, her job won't be around in 20 years, which that that's hard for me to believe. But I also see these videos of like dog robots. That's hard for me to believe. And that's actually happening, you know? So it's like, who knows what jobs will be around for 20 years when you're 22, 23 to think that you have the next 20 years of your plan, your life planned out. There's zero, zero percent chance, uh, not zero percent chance, but it's very unlikely. And, uh, yeah, of course it's all right. I mean, I feel like that now and I'm not 22 or 23 and you know, I, and, and, and part of it is who you are as a person and the kind of risk you're willing to, uh, tolerate. And I fully realized that I could wake up tomorrow to an email and Google decided to ban me of my content for whatever reason. And, you know, you hear creators that have 
those kind of experiences. And, you know, if that happens, that'd be really tough. And it's like, you know, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, not, that's not going to happen to somebody who works in job X, Y, or Z. But again, it goes back to like what you're willing to tolerate, what you're willing to risk. And like, you know, if that does happen or if, you know, maybe I don't get banned, maybe people just get over my content, whatever it is, people, you know, it happens. It's like, all right, well then what am I going to do? And I don't have the answer right now other than I'll figure it out. But that just has to do with the level of risk people are willing to uh, tolerate and kind of there's a, there's a little bit too about like accepting reality. You know, I think that uh, a lot of people don't realize how unstable their job is and they like to have that sense of security. And for me, I kind of never felt that when I had a job. So I think it was easier probably to the other end. I probably erred on the other end of the spectrum. Like, oh man, I could show up tomorrow and get fired, which probably wouldn't have happened. But basically, if you're 22 or 23 and you think you know what you're doing for the next 20 years, I think you need to start mentally preparing yourself to have your plans change because you're probably going to be wrong. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with thinking that you're stable and then finding out you're not. Just don't go crazy. You know, like don't don't think the world's ending when you're 27 and this thing that you thought that would be around forever was replaced by a robot like it, it'll work out. I guarantee it'll work out. Just don't think that things are set in stone when they're not. There's not many times where I hear someone say like, Oh, my next 40 years are planned out. And every little thing that you planned happened exactly the way you wanted it. Yeah, yeah. Because something, whether it's right at the beginning or all the way at 40 years, something will turn out differently than you had hoped, expected or wanted. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of why, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, it's why I like writing because writing has been around since forever, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it, there, it will be around a guy told me that when I was in college, as long as you can write, you can find a job and it will be around. But like, I think about, I mean, Uber wasn't around when I was in college, right? YouTube wasn't around when I was, I think it was 2003. Like Uber wasn't around when I was in high school, you know, or middle school. And it's like, there are two things that I do now that didn't exist when I was a kid. And like, my dad works in computers. That wasn't around when he was, uh, years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm, I'm sure they like started to be around when he was in college, but like, he didn't grow up with computers. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, like if you're 22 or 23, there's a good chance that by the time you're 40, you're going to be working in something that wasn't around when you were in college. It's crazy to think that YouTube wasn't a thing because when I grew up, YouTube was what I used for classes in, I don't know, fifth grade, sixth grade. I don't even know. Maybe even before that, I couldn't even imagine not having YouTube not having computers like in my mind those things have been around forever but in reality right 30 years ago a lot of these things didn't exist and if you think about the next three years who knows what's gonna happen 2005 youtube wow it was bought by google a year later yeah i just looked it up sorry but it was uh 2005 february 14th actually valentine's day and uh so I was a junior in high school. So I was a junior in high school before YouTube came around. And it's like, 
I mean, that's literally when you're taking career development classes. So imagine if I said, yeah, I'm going to be a YouTuber when I grow up. People would be like, what are you talking about? What? That's not a solid job. You can't do that. Yeah, right. And I always, I've always, I was just ranting about this to a friend. It's like, I was at Temple during the boom of social media and nobody had any idea what it would be. And if one of my stinking professors was just like, Hey, you know, why don't you double down on this social media stuff? I could, I could be a freaking billionaire right now. You know, it's like, but again, like it goes back to people don't know what the world's going to be like, you know, instead I was told like, be careful what you put on social media. It'll ruin your life. And it's like, no, could have made my life. You guys ruined my life by telling me to be careful what I put on there. <laughs> it's, it's just cool to hear that you would be at a completely different place now if you had doubled down years previously. Because- oh my God. And that's, yeah. And that's what I would say to like a 22 or 23 year old. We're like, you know, if you do have some sort of passion or if you do have something you really like, chase after it now, you know, like for me, I wasn't really sure. So I kind of doubled down in the sense of like, just trying new things, you know, and like being active with the things that I liked. Um, But yeah, if if you double, if like the earlier you can, and you know, a lot of it's timing and some of it's luck and it's like, but if you can like get in at the right time and, and double down on it, go for it, man. But the right time doesn't mean next week. The right time could be at that moment. Because if you chase that, oh, the right time will be next month. Oh, yeah. Then it will be another month. Another month. Next thing you know, it's two years later and you still haven't even started. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just take that dive. Go for it. One of my favorite quotes, someday never comes. Yeah, it's so true. Your career has been... The opposite of linear. It is not just a straight path from I graduated college to I'm doing exactly what I want to do. It's you've had some roller coaster moments, but when I take a step back and look at it, you've self published an award winning book, created a strong social media presence, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, hosted stand up comedy, driving Uber, Lyft, clean toilets, and There's probably a lot of things I might have missed throughout, but what was the biggest takeaway you've had from all of these experiences? And was there a specific moment that made you learn that? Um, you know, I I liked you. I liked how you threw in like the scrubbing toilets and like, you know, a lot of people and, and a lot of times, I mean, it is true. Driving Uber Lyft isn't always the funnest thing to do. Um, fortunately I was lucky enough to be able to, turn it into something on YouTube, but like, you know, people talk about the award winning, you know, people mention the award winning books or all the subscribers and stuff, but it's like, there's a lot of pieces of writing that I put out that were really bad. There was a lot of late nights where I was like, this is the worst story I've ever written. Like, there's no way it's going anywhere. And, you know, there's a lot of videos that flopped and there's a lot of I mean really bad videos that I made you know like they didn't flop because I got unlucky like I made a lot of really bad videos and I guess um, I'm sharing all that is because just like social media tries to only throw the good the resume the introductions they they only show the good but as 
the individual who's doing them, the reason that I can get to that good, the reason I can put up with all that bad stuff is because I enjoyed what I was doing, you know? And like, even when Uber is annoying and bad, like for the most part, I really enjoy Uber and I don't understand how people can complain about it. I mean, I was sitting down the whole time when I've had jobs where I've had to stand the whole time. I was in air conditioning the whole time when I've worked in the summer heat or the, you know, I've had heat when I've worked in the freezing cold and I got to listen to music and meet people, you know, like it was, it's an easy job. Like, and so like, yeah, sometimes you, I'm rambling, but, but my point is it's like the, the, the way I dealt with the nonlinear part is because I enjoyed what I was doing. And the second I wasn't enjoying what I was doing, I, you know, it's not that I would always stop, but I would definitely have like a pro and con list moment where I'm like, all right, is this necessary? Um, what am I benefiting from this? Should I keep doing this? You know, whatever it is, whatever, you know, maybe I need to do something to make money. And then I just justify like, all right, Hey, you know what, you're going to do this save up enough money, then you're going to stop. Or you know what? You're not going to stop because you need the money, but just recognize that you need the money to do this and stop complaining about it and get it done. Or you know what? The, you don't enjoy doing this or whatever, but you got to do it to learn or whatever it is. So, because then you will enjoy doing this or whatever it is, you know? So I, again, I'm rambling, but my point is it's like I dealt with the non-linearness by enjoying what I was doing. You have to enjoy what you're doing a little bit. You have to have a little bit of passion toward it because if you don't, you're not going to want to do it. You're not going to want to wake up. It's going to be that dreaded hitting the snooze button on the alarm 14 times just before you have to wake up. But your career has been interesting, unique. I don't know if anyone could ever replicate it completely. If I'm gonna, I wouldn't, if I wouldn't advise them to. They could have got to this point a lot quicker than I did. I'm sure. <laughs> well, hey, if you weren't careful with what you put out, you might have been there at a young age. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know. <laughs> but right now we're at present day, you. So I want to transition now into the mythologically themed questions. I've made a couple changes. There's a new one here that I'm gonna ask. I want to make a play on Norse mythology because mythology is not just Greek. There's a lot of other versions of it. And there's the trickster god or the god of mischief, Loki. I want to make a play a little bit on it. Has there ever been a time you felt tricked or deceived into believing something or doing something? And what was the takeaway from it? I don't know. My grandmother's like she really instilled in me for better or for worse. Like <laughs> it's to the point where like, if somebody's nice to me, I think they're up to something, you know, I've gotten better with that. But like, you know, if I ever told her good news, she'd be like, well, what do they want? You know? Yeah. Well, see, and I, I think part of it too is like, I, I don't think, I, I don't think the majority of people, um, especially successful people, I don't think they get by by tricking and deceiving people. I think you'll come across people like that, but I think they're usually easy to spot. And I also think that like the truth always comes out about them. But I, it goes, one of my favorite quotes is, um, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. And so like when I think of like tricks and deception, it's I kind of just... I just stay in my own lane and worry about what I can control. 
And if somebody is like that, or if they do, you know, try to affect me like that, I get them out of my life one and two, like I kind of get it out of my head. And it kind of goes back to like, maybe people that might've judged me for a job or something. I, I'm never good with these questions where it's like remembering how someone hurt you or something. And I'm sure if I think hard enough, or if I came across them, it would pop in my brain, like, Oh, bad guy, stay away. But like, just off the bat, like on my day to day, I just like, don't think about those people because they're, they're no use to me. You know, they don't exist. You know, they're, they're gone. I don't know. In your head, out of your head, in right, one ear, yeah. out the other, real out quick. Out of sight, out. Like, if you're on that list, out of sight, out of mind. Like, I just have no time for you in my thought process, you know? Just don't think about those people. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like, it's good to make mental notes of people you can't trust, but, like, don't dwell on it. Just move on. Try to make it subconscious because it's going to tell you, like, oh, hey, we've witnessed this. Let's go left instead of force right. ourselves into it. Right, Exactly. And you don't need to like relive the journey of every time you went right, but just, you know, just know enough not to go left or not to go right. I forget which right. I forget which direction. Was you know what? Just head. don't turn. Just go straight. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so the second question is an idea on like a weakness to a degree. It's what has been your Achilles heel throughout your career? That one thing that could have been the demise of you. Oh, dude, not could have been, is the demise of me. And it is, uh, this one's an easy answer. My, my time management and my organization are just like the worst. I always think of like Madden players and like, you know, when, when you create a Madden player, like zero to a hundred of their attributes, man, my creativity and organization would be like a 60, probably less. Sorry, creativity. I don't know why I said creativity. I'm thinking, I, I was thinking, see, again, I mean, I'm, I'm even unorganized with this answer. I think it's the, uh, it's very common with creative people to kind of be all over the place. And my creativity is higher, but man, my organization and like my time management is just like very, very bad. And like, I'm the kind of guy with like 15 tabs open and I have like a million files saved and a million different videos saved and like, you know, if I'm on time for something, you might as well buy a lottery ticket that day because there's just, you're getting lucky. Like I'm just, I'm always all over the place and it's something I'm getting a little better with. I mean, I'm definitely getting better with it, but yeah, definitely. If I was more organized and uh, more structured, I think I'd be a lot more productive, but you got to take the go with the bad because if I was more organized, more structured, I, you know, some of my best, uh, you know, pieces of content, whether videos or writing or whatever, it's like some of my best things were kind of like put together last second or because I had an idea and I wanted to do it now or whatever it is. So, so you're the person I would tell you to be somewhere a half hour before. Yes. Okay. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I actually, some people might get slighted, you know, when that happens, but I actually love that because when I am on time or early, I just feel so good about myself. So if, if anyone wants to lie to me about the time, go for it. I, I deserve it. I've lived enough of my life to know that I deserve to be lied to in that aspect. Well, that's i I'll take a mental note for that just in case. <laughs> Thinking about the conversation we've had, we haven't really talked about mentors or anyone that you would go to. 
So could you give us that one person or the oracle that you go to? Um, well, to kind of bring it full circle, the YouTube. And, you know, and again, to also relate to the other question, like I just wasn't doing enough work to figure out how to get those videos out there. Um, and YouTube pretty much has an answer for anything, uh, especially with stuff regarding YouTube. So uh, the Oracle, so to speak, is just the internet, man. And one of my favorite ideas is uh, any problem that you've ever had, uh, somebody else has also had that problem and has figured it out and written it down or made a video about it. Um, so yeah, uh, YouTube's like that um, Oracle that seems to always have the answer. You probably YouTubed how to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> and you've had a lot of changes throughout. We talked about that nonlinear path. If you could go back to the beginning, would you do anything differently? Oh, yeah. I would have freaking started uploading on YouTube and that day came out. Are you kidding me? wonder where you'd be <laughs> now if you started then. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Beast would look like a midget. <laughs> He'd be little beast. I would be the beast. Well, um, let's make sure he doesn't see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, I think he would. I think he would say the same thing. If I started in two thousand five, I think that's. I think that's the real genius of someone like Mr. Beast. And you know, even if you're not interested in YouTube, I think this relates to, uh, you know, what we're talking about. It's like I, I remember hearing Mr. Beast was like he wasn't all about going to college. And he got in like arguments with his mom, but like he was able to see YouTube for what it could be. And plus he really loved doing it. Like that's a real big thing about him. He just always loved, um, he was like, all I want to do is be a YouTuber. But I think he also knew what YouTube could be honestly more so than anyone else with how he reinvested in his channel. And I think he would agree. Like if, if somebody started YouTube in 2005, like started trying to build a channel, I think, um, you know, they would be, they would be insane. But, but yeah. I want to wrap up the episode to a degree with some final thought questions. There's two. There's one about what do you wish you knew before embarking on your quest, but in terms of a quality that you have today? Because I think your answer would be how big YouTube would be. <laughs> so right, right. let's go with the quality that you have today. If you could transport it back to Upward Bound. I already know everything, and I always knew everything, and I've always been perfect. So I have no idea. No, I'm kidding. Um, I guess, and like, you know, not just the quality. So, yeah, like not like YouTube, just the quality. Um, I think if I could tell my old self yeah. something. But, yeah. Um, man, so much. Um, I don't know. Maybe travel more. Uh, maybe like, let me think when I'm 20, so I'm 20, I tell myself to invest in Bitcoin. Um, trying to think, so I'd be what sophomore year college. Uh, what would I tell myself? Maybe just start working on my, my, my organization skills more. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Like be more organized because the older you get, the more it just piles up. So I guess that's what it would be. I'd start practicing minimalism earlier. I'm like trying to get there now and I have a long way to go. Hey, the whole point is that you start. Hey, that idea of like next week, next month, you can't, that'll never come. 
You just got to start That's at right. some point and That's maybe right. in a year you'll be fully there. <laughs> there you go. Maybe. The last question we'll is in terms of professional development, what is something you are doing today that you feel everyone should be doing? This could be anywhere from watch something on Netflix, read a book. It could be anything. Personally, I'm looking at, uh, I'm going to try to make this as relatable as possible because I do think it is good. And I've actually been like finding a lot of success for lack of a better word. Like I've been just really happy I'm doing it. Um, I've been looking at the work I've done in the past and like trying to learn from it and trying to improve on it. And, you know, I got a really cool opportunity to do that with YouTube just because, you know, it's there, you know, it's posted, you know, it's on the internet, you know, and there is actually, there's literal analytics from it, you know? Um, but like, you know, whatever it is you're doing, even if you're looking at like old communication, like emails for how you used to communicate, you know, and maybe like a event that went good or an event that went, or an interact interaction that went good or an interaction that went bad, like, you know, just revisit things and like, you know, kind of see how you used to be. And if it was good, if you're still doing that good, or if it was bad and if you can improve on it or whatever it is. But, um, but yeah, that's something I'm doing now where I'm just kind of reevaluating work from the past and seeing what worked and what didn't work and how I can either get better or re-implement it if it's lacking now. Thank you so much for that and everything else today. I've known you personally on a pretty high level, but I've never thought about your career from like your before the B. I knew from like the B on and I never even thought about asking you like, why did you do things? And I've learned things personally, professionally, and I hope everyone else can take a little bit out of some of the insights you've been giving us. I hope so too. I had a, I had a blast being on here. Thanks so much for having me on. Wow. Talk about doing a lot and gaining experience. There's a lot to potentially learn from Eddie and his career quest. If you're interested, make sure to check out his YouTube channel and all of his social media. All is in the description below, but let me know what you thought of his career. Rate and review this podcast and follow at CareerQuestPodcast on Instagram. I would greatly appreciate it and make sure to subscribe for the next episode.